Hey there, and welcome to the Ultra Marriage Podcast. I'm your host and author of the book Ultra Marriage, Mike Bellini. And we're on a mission to help strengthen families one marriage at a time because we believe that the family unit is the foundation of our culture and a marriage is the core of the family. And it's time that we restore its importance and its priority in our lives and in our culture. The only thing that we ask is if you if you get anything out of this, go ahead and please like it, share it, leave us a review. It helps us to grow this platform and this message. When I first got the idea for this podcast, I wrote down several names of people that I wanted to interview. People that were crushing it in their personal lives, at, and at least on the surface, appeared to be crushing it in their marriage and their family life too. And our guest this week was one of those names that I wrote down. Her name is Megan Riley. And just just listen to uh, her, her lifestyle and her pedigree and accomplishments here. She's been married for 14 years with three daughters under the age of 10. She's a, a Shark Tank alum who was awarded a deal by Mark Cuban, but turned it down so that she and her partner could grow their business on their own. That right there tells you a lot about her character and her spirit. She's CEO and co-owner of Tippy Toes, which is an international franchiser of children's dance. And they've received 35 franchises to date and have written and published children's music that hit the Billboard charts and reached number one on iTunes. Megan is creator and host of the Who Is Your Mama podcast, which is phenomenal, where she speaks to mothers of some of the world's most successful CEOs, athletes, and entertainers. She also works as an expert mentor for Jesse Itzler's Elite Coaching Program. She and her husband, Chris, also renovate homes. What else? What else do they do? <laughs> and they love to play outside with their daughters and their 100-pound dog, Ralph. The best part is that she does it all with an enormous smile. She shows up, gives her all to everything she does. And if you're like me, you're wondering, how does she do it? How does she do it all? Well, in this episode, she shares how. And here's the thing. It's not rocket science. It's perspective. It's intentionality. It's being willing to show up and get the job done, whether it's at home or in front of Mark Cuban or whatever, doing whatever it takes. So I really enjoyed this one. Here's my conversation with Megan Riley. I'm super excited because I, and I mentioned this to you when we spoke earlier that, you know, when you start a podcast, you brainstorm a list of, Hey, who would be great guests to have on this particular podcast for this purpose, so on and so forth. And you were one of the people that initially came to mind because of all of the things that you do and how you, at least from what it, what I could tell, how you still, you, you, prioritize your marriage and your family in the midst of doing all of this other stuff. And we'll, and, and I do want to hear about all of that other stuff, which I didn't realize you guys renovate homes, which, oh my gosh, that just takes my, ad, my, my respect to an entirely different level after hearing that. Or you're like, she's crazy or craziness. Crazy. True. Yeah. This is, yes, that's true. Um, but it's, but seriously, it's, there's so much that you have going on and I, I want to, I want to ask you about the various things that you do to really set this up because that's, again, that's, that's the reason why I reached out to you is because 
Well, really two things. Again, you, you're a go-getter, you're, you're doing things, you're very active, you are proactive, you're a um, business owner and podcast host and um, mom of three, <laughs> uh, mom of three girls, renovating homes, which is either, again, it's either amazing or crazy. crazy. Uh-huh. And <laughs> okay. you always have this huge smile on your face, which I appreciate because my, my wife's the same way that she, she's just, when she walks into a room, when she smiles, she lights up the room very similarly. It's like, my gosh, you Megan have all this stuff going on, which a lot of people might view as chaos of (laughs) sorts. And yet you're smiling and vivacious in the midst of it all. And that's fascinating to me. That's why I wanted to, to have you on to, to hear about that. So uh, just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll get into kind of segue into tippy toes and the who's and Rama podcast and the house renovation. And then we'll talk about your family. So tell us a little bit about Sounds yourself. Good. Sounds good. Mike, thanks so much for having me. It means so much to me that I would have been on your list for your podcast topic, honestly, because, you know, I, to me, my marriage is the most important thing of everything I do. That's the number one priority for me. However, I don't talk about it that much because that's not what people are coming to me for. That's just not what I talk about, but that is the absolute foundation of everything that I do is that the relationship I have with, with Chris. And so honestly, when you told me that I was something that came to mind, it meant a ton to me because, um, I'm, I'm glad that it, it did. I'm glad that I came to mind because it's the most important thing. Um, for me in my life. So I, my husband and I, we have been Chris, we've been married for 14 years. I actually just was like, Hey, how long have we been married? He's like, I don't know. I was like, me neither. And then we started counting on our fingers. Um, so, uh, but we've been married for 14 years. I am the COO and co-owner of a company called tippy toes. Uh, my sister started it as a sophomore in college and we have grown it over the past 23 years to become an international children's dance franchise. So we have 33 franchises in the U S and then there's, um, a, several over in China, the master franchise there. And I love it. It's my day job and it's super fun. And I, you know, I'm, I'm able to help other people start businesses through our franchise system, which is a thrill. Um, and then most importantly, we're able to bring happiness and confidence and fun and activity to kids through our dance classes. So that's a thrill. Um, and, and then I also started a podcast and I started a podcast really because as a mom of three girls, I, realized once I got past the phase of picking which diaper brand to use, things got a little more complicated. How do you raise a great person? How do you raise somebody who's honest? How do you raise somebody who cares about doing the right thing? And I realized that no Google, you know, form was going to give me those answers. And the people I felt like that had those answers were the ones that have done it. The people like my mom, the people like Jesse Itzler's mom, Sarah Blakely's mom, Colin O'Brady's mom, the people that I admired, not because they were famous, but because they seem to be doing fulfilling work. They seemed happy. Um, that's what I want for my child. I don't care if they're famous at all. I want them to be fulfilled. And it is more fun when you interview somebody like, you know, Sarah Blakely's mom or Jesse. It's her yeah. mom. So I went that route, but, um, but so that was where the, who is your mom podcast came about. And it's been a great joy in my life. I did not see it coming as such a great joy, but I absolutely love it. And I have found kind of a little new passion too of interviewing people and especially interviewing people that don't get the spotlight very often. 
um, moms especially don't get that, that moment to be like, you know, have the spotlight on them and get to share their wisdom because they don't even recognize it half the time, um, until you ask them a few questions and then you realize that their life has given them so much wisdom and their experiences. So, um, that's my podcast, which is super fun. And that's kind of led into a great, you know, relationship and working relationship with Jesse Itzler. And through that I've, I've, you know, I, for a while I was a DJ, I had a radio show for a while, which was super fun. And then that led into me working with him on his, um, elite 365 coaching program. So I offer these legacy oh, interviews. Yeah. I offer legacy interviews to the people in his program, which is really cool. Cause more people get to have these conversations captured with their, grandma or grandpa or parents or for their kids or whatever. So that's been really special. Um, and, and then I spend my days with my kiddos, you know, I am 100%, you know, locked in with the kids at drop off and pick up every day, take them all to the activities, you know, come home, cook, clean, do whatever we got to do to run the household. And, and it's just fun. And I bop around from one thing to the next, um, all day I work from home. And, um, so that is, that is my life in a nutshell for you, Mike. Okay. So you, all right. So you, if, if you're listening a couple things, you almost contradicted yourself in a way to where you said, okay, tippy toes, international franchise. Who's your mama podcast, which anybody listening to this, who's, who's listened to podcasts and hasn't actually done a podcast and had their own podcast. You have no idea what goes at <laughs> the, the time, the, the commitment, to do it well, uh, which I love the concept as well. I've, I've loved the concept of who, who's your mama from the beginning, because those are, I, I remember when my son was, uh, my oldest is my son. So that's why I mentioned, mentioned him. I have a younger daughter, younger, she's in high school. But um, when my son was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, I remember thinking like the Tim Tebow's of the world, the Derek Jeter's, those types of people, young people, 20, 22 years old, they don't, happen by, by accident. It's intentional parenting. And so they're the heroes. I love the, you know, talking to the moms who are the ones that raised these amazing individuals and amazing people. So, um, so, okay. So you, so you mentioned international franchise, tippy toes, who's your mama podcast. Um, you also on shark tank mentioned earlier, you and your husband renovate homes. Then you said, and I spend my days with my kiddos. Okay. Wait a sec. So which do you do? Which is it? Is it the business and the podcast and the renovating homes or do you spend time with your kids? They, that doesn't seem to go together, which again, plays into my point of why I wanted to talk to you because that's what I want to know. And in, in your daughters are nine, seven and five, are they still nine, seven and five. That's right. Yes. Is that right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nine, seven, and five, you've had a business for 23 years. You started a podcast a few years ago. So these are young kids. Your five-year-old, when you started the podcast even was preschool. Mm -hmm. So not even in school. I I don't know. I have, I have about (laughs) 45 questions to boil them down to, to one or two. How, okay. Kind of walk us through. I want to know about your mindset. I want to know, so, and I'll start with this. I'm looking at a picture of you and I think you, you probably know the one I'm talking about. It's, I don't know, uh, you may have, you may have it on your Instagram page or is in an article. You're on the floor, you're in exercise uh, clothes. You've got a computer open in front of you, a couple of dolls next to you, a basketball, 
a book bag, sneakers, weights, and you're talking on the phone with a huge smile on your face. How do you, <laughs> Yeah. what's your yeah. perspective when, when all of that stuff that we just mentioned that you have going on and you spend your entire days, you know, your days with your kids or your, or a priority, and we haven't even gotten to your marriage yet. What's your perspective on life in general, I guess? How do you, how do you maintain that smile? Yeah. You know, it didn't all happen at once. And so that's what I, I think sometimes is the disconnect because a lot of people, like if someone just discovers who I am or they, you know, I don't know, see a post of mine or something, or they listen to this podcast and like, who's this lady? And then you say all this, and it's like, whoa, it, you know, that sounds like a lot, but for me, it came so gradually, it came over mm. years. And so it just like was layering in things as I went. And I think the key is layering in only the things that absolutely light you up. So the things that I talked to you that about what I do, I love them. I love doing it. I get excited every time I get to do any parts of those things that I talked about, including parenting, including being a, a tuned in wife, including being a franchisor or, or, or the podcast. Um, it doesn't all happen every moment of the day. You know, I'm not doing all of those things at once, but they are all always going around. It's funny when you talked earlier about like chaos, I'm like, I could pick right now. Here's a shoe. Here's a doll thing. Here is my kid's mask. Here is artwork that I got from my kids. This was all within reach of what I'm doing. Like chaos is real. It's all around me, but I love all those things. And I, and when I, when I feel like I want to do something new, I don't question it. I just kind of try it. I, I, I have this analogy. I think of like a jank, you know, when you play Jenga, you're yeah. not supposed to do this, I think, but like, if you just go around and you tap, tap them to see which ones come easily, that's kind of what I do with my life. Like I've got this Jenga thing and I tap and I like, I'm like, is this, is this fun and easy? Oh yeah. That one pops right. Through. Yeah. That's fun. I like that. That makes me feel good. I want to keep doing that. And so that's kind of how these things have continued to come about. Cause I also speak, well, that's just kind of fun. It kind of has been a natural thing off of the other things I've done. And that was like an easy block to tap because I enjoy doing that. And so I just, I would say my, my mindset is I continue to find things that I love in my life that bring me joy. And then I kind of just keep adding those things in and I, and the priorities really stay the same because there is only so much I can do. So as soon as I find something new that like is better than the other things, then that kind of takes precedent. Um, so for a while I took a break from my podcast cause it became a little bit of like a grind after third 27 episodes. I was like, I need a break. So I took a break. And then I, I took several months off and then through that, I kind of found, I leaned into speaking. And so I think it's one of the keys is to also just remember it. It's been a 23 year journey to where I am today, you know? And so, um, but then also the other thing is I only do things that I love that light me up that here's my, here's my litmus test. Do I, am I willing to do this at 10 30 at night on the couch with the laptop when it comes to work, if I'm willing to do that, then Okay. Like I would rather do that than watch a Netflix series. I would rather do that than, you know, clean my house. So I do, you know, I mean, so, I mean, there's, there's those priorities and, um, and I've gotten really good at only doing the things that I want to do. And sometimes I get it wrong and I realize I'm like in a place where I'm not loving certain things. And I kind of take a step back and I'm like, all right, I need to peel some things back or change what I'm doing. And I do that. So a lot of trial and error. And a lot of trying to figure out what works and then also being around people like the, like you, like people, like Jesse, it's like people in the BYLR community, um, people that I work with at tippy toes there, I'm around people that like to do cool stuff. Yeah. And, 
and then that, that feeds me too. That feeds my energy and feeds my soul. And, um, and then that works for me. And I'll tell you, my life would not be great for some people. Some people would be like, Oh, that's awful. That sounds terrible. You never, you know, cause I don't have a lot of downtime. I'm not, I don't have a ton of downtime, but I wouldn't want it any way, other way. This is what I'm happy with. And then we all just, I think have to make sure that we're doing what's right for our family and our marriage and our work. And, you know, it's all, it's a thumbprint. It's like, this is my thumbprint and everybody else will have their own version of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. The yeah. Finding things that light you up because that will then impact how, how you show up as a, as a mom, how you show up as a spouse, right. In your family as well. It'll all play off of each other. I'm, I'm assuming it, it, it's just how important is it being around like-minded people. And I'll, I'll use this somewhat as a segue because I also think that it's important to be around like-minded couples, like, Mm -hmm. like like-minded, uh, you know, married couples, um, people who have similar values, striving for similar things. I, I think that that's an issue as well, where, we, we grab, well, I mean, we become like the people that we, we spend our time with and we need to be intentional about that. How important Mm -hmm. is that? A total, it's so important. And you know, when I first really recognized the importance of that was when I was a a new mom and I would go to play dates and people would trash their husband and like, you know, it'd become, and not like, not, they weren't coming to be like, I, you know, but it was like, Oh yeah. Well then he never does this. And then I'm doing this all by myself. And then I never have any help. And then, you know, it, which is, I mean, any, any person out there that's been to a play date with a bunch of women knows that sometimes those come like, it's a time to vent. And then that's important. I, I agree. Like my, you know, there, we have our own issues, but it was like, it was the narrative. It was like, it became, it felt like I'm going to a play date. And then everyone's going to talk about how all the shortcomings in their, of their spouse. And I felt like, I remember sitting there at one point being like, I'm nodding along and I don't agree with any of this. And if I felt this way, I would be miserable because I didn't feel that way. I have my, my husband, I have a different relationship. We are all in all the time together doing everything. It's a partnership. It's, and that's the marriage that, that we had before we had kids. Um, but when I had those play dates, I was like, Oh, okay. No, no, no. I don't want to spend time here. This doesn't feel good. This, these aren't, this isn't what I want to work towards. Um, And so that was when I started to be really careful about where I spent my time. Now I could still be friends with them, but I'm not going to spend two hours sitting there talking about this stuff because that doesn't serve any part of me. Right. Um, And then that's carried on into my life. And I really, truly, the only times that I really, Chris and I will spend time with couple or whatever is when the marriage, they have a similar marriage because you can relate right away. Then you can still have those moments when you're ribbing each other. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we'll still do those sarcastic things, but it's all in play. And we know at the end of the day, there is a great foundation of a relationship and marriage and partnership and respect and support and all of that. Um, so I truly, I, I actually would say I don't have any close friends that don't have a healthy marriage because I can't relate. I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I can't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me because that's my priority. I, mm-hmm. you know, and not that I shun people away, but I will choose where I'm going to put my time. And it yeah. is with people that have that kind of relationship because then I, I get excited too. And I like to see that in other couples. And then I, it, you know, it just, it's a positive headspace to be in. And that's what I choose. Um, and, and everybody, 
you know, we all get to choose where we spend our time. No one's forcing us to do that. And, and I want to protect that. And so I choose, I choose relationships and people that, that bring that positivity and goodness into my life. Oh yeah, totally agree. The, and just like, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not in a place in your career or your life where you want to be, and, you know, advice would be get around people like that, get around people who are, building businesses who are, who are going for it, who are embracing the suck in a way in, in, right. If you're not where you want to be in your relationship, if you don't have the relationship you want, get around people who have the relationships that you want, right. It's, it it doesn't have to be, I just gravitate towards the uh, you know, the, the people that are complaining and the people that are just kind of meandering through in life and in their relationships, get around the people that have relationships or are striving for the type of relationship that you want to have. Right. It's the same principle. It, it is. It, and I would say it's true in every part of your life, you know, it's the same thing with parenting, like, cause par- marriage is different than parenting, you know? And so there, you might have friends that are great couple and then they have kids and you're like, wow, that is not what I expected. And that's actually become another facet of kind of what, where we choose to spend our time. You know, I mean, that's another, another part of it. So I also think you don't have to know the people like in terms of, um, you know, especially business and things like get influenced by people you don't know that are quote unquote experts or that you admire or that you see doing well or whatever. They don't, you don't have to know them. And if that's the only place you can get that fuel, then do that. Cause I always, I always try to think like, but what if you feel like you're stuck? What if you're, I don't know, in some, place and you feel stuck and you're around people that do this. And it's like, okay, then you choose the internet's an amazing thing for that purpose. Then find, Mm -hmm. just put yourself around other people. And then it's amazing what other things kind of come and can snowball after that. So I don't think there's an excuse not to be around that kind of stuff in the age of the internet, like be around the good stuff. It's your choice. And if you choose wisely, then you can be completely surrounded by that kind of you know, positivity, which will impact your life. When you are around those kind of people, it will impact your life without a doubt. I've met so many people through Instagram uh-huh. that have <laughs> impacted my life in the lot, particularly the last couple of years, you know, when things shut down and the connections, a lot of the connections I was making and a lot of other people were making were through, were through social media. Yeah. And we, the sort of the circle that I've, and this is how I met, this is how I met Jesse Itzler as well is, through Instagram. And two years later, there's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a choice. You mentioned it. It's a choice wherever, whatever circle you're in, if it's in person, whether it's through social media, whatever your choice of who you interact with, who you surround yourself with. And I want to, all right. So I want to give you time to talk about your marriage, obviously. And this is, and you touched on it too which is a reason why I wanted to build this platform is I've read articles that, that you've done over the last couple of years that list out again, all of the amazing things that you're, that you're doing. And there was one article in particular where, uh, you know, it's, again, you talk about your business and your podcast and you're on uh, shark tank alum, which you decided not to, uh, take the offer and instead build your business, which, is I'm sure it's a, a fascinating story in its own, which tells about your character as well. You and your sister, right? That uh, you decided to to grow your business on your own versus what most people would jump at the chance of of doing it through, you know, the the opportunity like Shark Tank. So kudos 
kudos to you for being on there for getting selected and then saying, nah, we're going to, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it our own. And so, you know, we, we go through, and like I said, the articles that are, that are, they're sort of like business articles and they're talking about the things that you're doing and how you're doing it. And in one article at the bottom, it's, uh, and I wish I had it written down, but it's, you said, and the, you know, the, the most important person and the biggest thanks, and I'm paraphrasing is to my husband for his support and so on and so forth. It always seems to be an afterthought. And part of what I want to do is start making our relationships, which it's the most important aspect of my life yep. and nothing works without it. My, yep. my kids, my, my, my family are, you know, our, our parenting doesn't work without that being first, uh, you know, my success in business, in my career doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to switch, flip the switch a little bit and say, okay, let's put that part at the top and let's talk about how that impacts everything else that you have going on, your business, your, your podcast, your speaking and, and as, as a mom. So let's do that. Let's talk about kind of transition to talk about your marriage and I'll just let you go. I, uh, I love that idea. I love the concept because it's backwards to have it as the afterthought. It's absolutely backwards. And I would also just say, this is for people who choose to be married. So I, mm-hmm. I think the people that don't choose to be married, that's a, that's a separate conversation. But if you're here and you're married, then you've made that decision to share your life with somebody. Yeah. And, and for me, um, the, the marriage, the friendship, the support, the respect, the challenges that I get from my husband, all of that has made me, um, I mean, better, but also more driven. It's more excited. Everything is amplified because of the support, the friendship, the love, the relationship that I have with my husband. Um, everything I do, I'm constantly talking about all the stuff I do with my husband. I'm bouncing ideas off of him. I'm talking to him about it. I'm working through challenges. I'm, you know, and then he's doing the same too. You know, he's a baseball scout and I feel like I could give the lingo for a baseball scout because of the conversations we've had, you know, like we are a partnership. It is a back and forth constantly, constantly. And, um, so, and I, I feel like too, there's so many parts of marriage. There's, you know, when you're newlywed and I remember like, there are hard times, there's challenges of like figuring this new life out. Like you go from a single person to then sharing your whole life with somebody else that takes some work that takes some like, okay, I need to make adjustments. I need to adapt. I need to find out how we're going to do this life together. And I, there has to be that thought and that focus and that intention from the get-go because you can't just continue to go through things as you did as a single person. You've got to understand mm-hmm. that you are sharing your life now with somebody else. And, you know, in the beginning, it would be, there would be those moments of like, wait a second, why am I doing this? Why are you, this is yours. Why, you know, you are what, you know, those were the early days. And then that morphs into like, oh, okay, I get it. We're going to, he's going to scratch my back. I'm going to scratch his back. We're going to support each other. And then all of a sudden, look at this. We're stronger. We're stronger as a pair. He's a stronger sing. He's a stronger person because he has my support. I'm a stronger person because I have his support. And then that's exciting. And then, then you have kids and then that's a whole nother dynamic. But again, at that point, you have to make the decision and be intentional to be like, okay, how are we going to do this together? 
How are we going to raise these people together? What are our core goals going to be for our children? What are the things we're going to really care about? And that can't be one-sided. And I see that. And probably because of the phase of life I'm in, I see that as a point where a lot of, a lot of marriages can find trouble because I think you get comfortable and like, yeah, we're good. We're married. And then you throw children into the mix. That has to be a whole new reset of the intention that you have. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that I feel like, you know, and again, I say that now in retrospect, like, I didn't think that clearly as this was happening with kids. Like I wasn't like, you know, dealing with how to be a mom and then being like, we need to set intentions for our marriage. (laughs) But I recognize, you know, you bounce through life and you kind of hit your head against the wall every now and then you're like, okay, I got to correct. I got to figure this out. And then what I've learned is it's really all about the intention. It's about deciding to do this with your partner. It's about deciding to support one another not always just agreeing, you know, and, and Chris and I have disagreements and we have disagreements in front of the kids. And one of the things that we try to do is have a really healthy disagreement in front of the kids. I don't want them to think everything's just easy and flows. And daddy and I always agree because we don't. And sometimes we'll be like raising our voices, but I also let them see when we say, Oh, I under, you know, like we, we work through it. Cause that's life. They're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, But at the end of the day, I have a partner who is also intentional with how he's going to do things. And we're, we're thoughtful about our actions, how they impact each other, how they impact our children, how they impact what we do in our own, in our own career. And that intention and that desire to do it together is what keeps us coming back. And he's so fun. I love him so much. He's the person I want to hang out with the most. And he makes me laugh. Uh, You know, we will be competitive with each other. We have fun with each other, you know, so there's that joy too. That's just a constant thing with Chris and, um, and truly he makes everything more fun in my life. Everything more happy. Everything is more exciting. If something good happens to me, the very first thing I think of is I cannot wait to talk to Chris. And if something really bad happens, the very first thing I think of is I cannot wait to go off and tell Chris about this and get so mad. And you know, when some, it, he is the first thought I have in my life. Um, and it's because of the years of being intentional, showing up for each other, supporting each other and doing this whole life together. That's kind of, that's a key as well. You mentioned that he's the first one you want to, to talk to when something great happens or when something disappointing happens. Right. And I think a key with that is the other spouse being receptive to that. And you mentioned the word amplify. So when things are great and you want to share it with him, it sounds like it's just sharing it. He receives it and just amplifies the experience Mm -hmm. versus, and I, I, I mean, I've been through this to where one, you know, one of us is super excited about something and we share it and the other one doesn't reciprocate Mm -hmm. that same excitement. And it's like, the next time it's like, well, I don't really know if I want to go tell her about that because the last time I did that, it was almost like a downer. It took me down from that high. So it takes, it, it sounds, what I'm hearing is it takes both the willingness to, or the want and desire to communicate and share and the want and desire on on the other's part to receive and celebrate together or go through whatever it is together. Like you mentioned, it's a pair, it's a team. Is that dynamic something that happens naturally with you guys, or is it something that you've, you've uh, done sort of intentionally over time? 
Yeah. I mean, I would say, to be honest, there's a lot of things in marriage that aren't natural for me. Like there were a lot of things that I was like, oh, well, I mean, I'd rather not do that because I want to do whatever I want to do, but that's not, that's not a good, I just don't, I don't want to be that kind of spouse. Um, and so I, I do think the whole idea, I remember before I got married, people talking about the work of marriage and it takes work and stuff. And I was like, geez, that doesn't like, why? But then you realize what's well, cause it's really special when you get it right. It's really special when it works. And my parents have been married for, um, I don't know, maybe 45 years now. And no, maybe not maybe 40 years. I don't know. A uh, long time. And long time either way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're, they're good. And, um, and I see the unbelievable blessing and joy and, and absolute windfall their marriage has been for their life, my life, my sister's lives. And honestly, the people in our community, in our city, in our town who know them, it is, it is such a beacon of love and hope for other people. And not that you're doing it for other people, but my point is I have seen the greatness that a lifelong marriage can bring to somebody. And so in those moments when I'm like, you know, maybe being more selfish or, you know, whatever, I, I, it has to be a choice to make. It doesn't just come naturally. And I think that's the other thing. I think sometimes the idea of working for marriage and working for your, you know, whatever it is. And like all the things I'm talking about, Mike, like we haven't gotten it right. Like, I mean, we've screwed yeah. everything up, you know, like, so don't, as I talk about it, yes, it's amazing. I feel all these things, but like, there've been plenty of times when he comes and says something to me and I don't handle it well, or I go tell him something and it's not the greatest reaction, but that's not like, Oh, well you suck. We're done. You know, then it's like, okay, we need to talk through that or work through that. It's back to the intention. It's back to wanting that. I want my marriage more than I want it than I want anything else. And so then I'm willing to put that that effort and that work and that intention and that thought in. Um, so in answer to your question, no, I don't think it happens naturally. I don't think marriage just is easy or happens easily or naturally. I think it takes the desire to put your marriage as a priority and to put, and to, to set the intentions, um, for what you want to do and then be willing to work through it together because you're both people, you're both humans. So you're both fallible and you're both will screw up a ton, you know, and then you're trying to also raise people who are going to challenge you and who don't care what you say sometimes, and then do care what you say sometimes, and then likes one of you and then doesn't like the other one. I mean, it's like a constant, there are variables everywhere. And so it just, I think I, it goes back to needing that intention of wanting to have a healthy partnership. And that takes work. Just like if you want to be the CEO of a company, you're not just going to like start working and like, it'll happen. No, you have to decide. You have to choose your actions. You have to choose who you're around. You have to choose what groups you're a part of. You have to choose your behaviors. You have to choose your habits in order to get to that role of CEO or in order to get to be an ultra athlete or whatever. There's all these choices you make before that. Before you get to that big crescendo, you have to make all these good choices that help get you there. Well, I think to have a healthy marriage, it's a constant work towards making those choices to put yourself in a position to have a happy marriage. Happy marriages don't just happen. Mm -hmm. It's a result of, of a ton of work, desire and intention. And, um, and both of you have to at least be heading in the same direction, which is, I want to have a healthy, strong relationship with you and I will do whatever I need to, to get there. That's what Chris and I have. We get it zigzag. We, we don't get it right. You know, we're not on this straight path from like single life, to the perfect marriage. It is not a straight path. 
it is ups and downs and zigs and zags, but we both have the final, you know, the bottom line is that we are both going towards wanting a healthy, happy, supportive partnership in life. And we'll do what we need to do to get there. Yeah. God, you took the words just about right out of my mouth with, with that. I was just thinking the same, same exact type of, of, um, connection where you, you have a, a goal, whether it's uh, an endurance event or whether it's in your career to become CEO or to build a business. And what's that going to take? It's going to take work. It takes work, it takes training. But when we say the word work in relation to marriage, it, and we hear that over and over and over again, because it's true, marriage takes work. That doesn't sound very fun. It doesn't sound like something that we want to equate to our marriage. I don't want my marriage to be work. I want it to be, I mean, I've been waiting to find the right person to get married so that I can have fun and it'll just be joyful and happy and laughter and giggles for the rest of my life. But it's, it's not, and you have to have that long-term perspective. It sounds like it's that, that higher level, long-term goal of the marriage that you want so that when you make the mistakes in the short term, in the moments where, and I think, I think selfishness is a big deterrent and detriment to maybe the biggest to a happy, healthy marriage, because, and you mentioned, it's like, well, I don't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you become a team of, of two people, and then a family of, of several five in your case, it's yeah, it, the the team comes first, Mm -hmm. the family and the marriage come first. And it's a mind shift of, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And oftentimes our selfish nature causes us to react in kind of a negative way. And that leads to disagreements or arguments or, or what have you. And then you have to recalibrate and come back. But if you, if you have that long-term vision and goal, just like you would in a building a business, you know, what that business looks like, you know, what you're working towards, you go through those zigzags and then you come back to center. And that's a perspective I'm trying to help bring to marriage or bring back to marriage and family is keep going, keep, keep your eyes on the bigger picture, the longer term vision, notice this moment in this issue and challenge for what it is, but that's all it is. It's just momentary and figure out how to get past it. Absolutely. There's a season. Like I I talk about Mm -hmm. this a lot of times with, with moms who are new moms that are like, what am I doing? Who am I? What am I supposed to, I'm no longer this person. And now I'm doing this and I'm supposed to know how to do this. And I have no idea how to do this, but this is now the label I have. What? Um, and I talk about like, it's a season. This is where you are right now. So embrace it and it's going to pass. Um, and, and it, I totally agree with it. It's a long, it's the long game. Like you don't say marriage isn't ever done. You're never like, Oh, check. I got it. Like we've, we've decided we're going to have a healthy, strong relationship and we're done. So that's, I can check that off the list. Like that's not, it's a constant growing living organism that you have to continually take care of. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we have, because if you have kids or if you have ups and downs or like a renovation, like there will be more different challenges that Chris and I will have as we're going to be renovating this house. We have done this before and we know now we know what that's going to be like, but it's a, it's a constant ebb and flow. And so then it goes back to the intention. 
So you have to just choose again and again and again, that greater purpose and that decision to have the partnership, the happy, positive, supportive partnership as the, the mirage really that you're never going to get to in that you never stop working towards it. You will get there and you're like, you'll be living in it, but you never stop working towards it. So, you know, I even see that with my parents, like, you know, they, they will still bug each other, but then it's like, well, we're still then we correct. And we keep going, you know, it, it, you're just always constantly going towards that, that goal. And I think if the partners can be on aligned with what that looks like, because that's the thing is everybody's marriage goals and partnership and what that's going to look like is going to be different. So I've got people that I know in my life who have a happy, healthy marriage. And I'm like, I would not want to be 10 feet. I don't want to be near that. Like, I don't that I do not want your marriage at all. It doesn't matter if I want it. They are both happy and they have this purpose and this goal that they are working towards and it works for them. That's the end of the story. So your marriage is between two people. And as long as those two people have the same purpose and vision for where their relationship, you know, where the goal is for their relationship, then you're good, you know, but, and I think in the world now where they live in that everybody feels like, you know, it's easy to, to forget that your marriage is your marriage and it doesn't need to resemble anybody else's. As long as you and your spouse are happy and healthy and supportive, and that's it like that in whatever way that looks, I, you know, it might work, look like somebody does everything at home and somebody else does everything outside of the home that if that works for you, then perfect. That's not how our house is. Um, but it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to design your life's goal and your partnership so that it's right for you and your spouse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's different for everybody. Just like every business is different and it's, you know, they they're built differently. It has to be right for you. And there are multiple ways, many, many different ways to go about that. Did you go, you mentioned this, I'm guessing the answer is no, but I'm just curious. Did you go through an identity crisis when, particularly when you had kids, if not, what was it's, what was your perspective? If you did, how did you get out of it? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I definitely, I, I did for sure because I, so I, you know, I did tippy toes my whole life. Like I've never done anything else. Cause my sister started in college and she's three years older. And so I got out of college and started running my business, you know, with my sister. So I've, I was always, um, an entrepreneur and then, and then I become a mom and I just remember I'm actually, yeah, it, this is a really important topic to me because I don't feel like it's really discussed, but you go from having, being this person, whatever you are, whether, you know, let's say you're, you know, Megan, the, the entrepreneur who likes to work out and is, you know, whatever the, the, the traits that described me, then you become a parent literally overnight. Like literally you go from, I can be selfish. I do whatever I want to, to the next day, your life is revolving around another creature that you're supposed to know how to do stuff with. And you've read all the books, but that doesn't mean anything. Like all of a sudden you have this new, the biggest role of your life and you're supposed to know what to do. I mean, that's the most absurd thing on the planet. It would literally be like going from being, you know, uh, an athlete to then you're the president the next day. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that. Like, how am I supposed to know what I'm doing? And, 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 you know, it's emotional also, like there's the emotional part of it. There's a technical part of it. There's also like, who am I in this? And so I absolutely 
spent, I mean, and I think I continued to go back and forth in and out of that through, through having little, having kids, you know, I had, I had, um, at one point I had a newborn, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And so every time I had a baby, it was always kind of a readjustment of who am I? How am I going to do this? How am I? And I continued to work always. I worked, you know, I mean, when you have your own business, there's no maternity leave. There's no, so I, I, yeah, there's, there's, and so I always was working. So that probably helped me because I always had a little bit of who I always had been, but it got really kind of covered up by needing to be the parent and, and wanting to be the parent. And I, and that was a decision too. I chose to not have nannies or daycares or anything. I was, there was no help. I have a supportive, amazing husband, but he was also going to work. So in a way, a lot of his day was still similar to what it was. He maybe he thought about us and you know, all that, but my day was, there wasn't anything recognizable in my day before kids and then after kids, it wasn't the same life. It was completely a different life. And I, it took time to figure it out. There were hard days. There were days I cried. There were days Chris came home and I was like a puddle. And I was like, how am I supposed to like, is this it? What am I doing? You know, like I had those feelings. Um, absolutely. I, I absolutely went through that. And, you know, I mean, I went through it for years, but like not constantly, you know, like it would just always, you, you, I was just kind of felt like I was always trying to figure out the rhythm coming to find out there was no rhythm. There is no rhythm when you're raising human beings and you have babies and you're nursing and you have nap schedules and you have blowouts and you have sick babies and you're teething. And I mean, there is no rhythm to that. You know, the rhythm is there is no rhythm. And so, um, that, but, but that was kind of when I, I mentioned before about the season. Now I'm out of that season and I, I can understand it a little bit better. I'm still in the weeds. You know, I still have little kids. I still need to make the meals and and make sure they're, you know, brushing their teeth and, you know, doing, I, they, they, I, they still need me quite a bit. Um, but I'm far enough removed from that stage to recognize really how hard it is for the main caretaker of the, of the children, because it's a night and day, your life completely changes, especially if you don't have, you know, them going to school or daycare or, or a nanny, like that was that was my experience. So, um, the really long answer to that was yes. Yes. What were some things that Chris did or could have done to make that transition, uh, easier? Um, it's a great question. So he, he definitely, I think one of the things was I talked to him about stuff. I told him how I, I felt for the most part, not always. There were times when I would hold it in and then carry it and then die. Cause I was trying to do too much. And that's not good. Like if you've got, why would I do that? I have a partner that I can rely on that can help me carry these, this weight of, of, you know, the life I felt at that moment. Um, I mean, what he did amazingly is he would walk through the door and I could check out if I wanted to, I could go to target and walk around. I could go get a pedicure. I could, I, you know, one of the things I, I I've seen before is, um, like if I needed to go out someplace, I wouldn't have to make a list for him to tell him what needed to be done. They were his kids too. He knew their schedule. He knew what they liked to eat. He knew what they didn't like to eat. 
that was one of those things that I didn't realize was special. And that was, that's how he is. That's how he's always been. He, I remember we were dating and he came to my house for the first time. One, I think it was the very first time. And he were like all sitting in the living room and he goes in to get a refill his drink. And he, on the way he goes, can I get anybody? Does anybody need a refill? And I remember being like, what? Like, I couldn't believe he was that selfless. So I mean, I mean, I was attracted to that right away, but he was that way as a, as a spouse and as a dad. So that to me was a huge thing. Like the, the partner who isn't the main caretaker needs to know, needs to be able to do everything. If the main caretaker has to run out the door, you don't need directions. If you're the parent, you should never need directions for your child. In my opinion, um, that was a huge thing. And I kind of get fired. I agree. I, I, I agree hundred percent with that. It's too, too, there's, there are there, you know, the parents were initially designed for, to be two for a purpose because it's an, it's the most important, difficult responsibility on mm-hmm. earth mm-hmm. to raise kids. So totally it agree. It's all consuming. And so that, that was it. And honestly, I, I don't want to sound like, um, he's perfect because I think he's an earshot and he can hear me anyways. And I would never want to, you know, you won't give, him that, that, give him yeah. that, give him that, but I don't know that there's too much he could have done better in that phase of our life because he was so loving, so supportive. He didn't make me feel like an idiot. If he came, if I came, if he came home and I was crying and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? I didn't do anything I needed to do. And she was sick. And then this happened. And then the doorbell rang and the, the dog woke up the baby and the, like, he didn't think like, get over it. It's fine. Like everybody's fine. You know, he never minimized my feelings. So I would say he always validated me. And then he was all in the minute he was home. Mm. Um, and if something ever happened, I never would have hesitated to call him out of a meeting or to call him, you know, he would have done anything. And so I think, I, I don't know that I could say that he could have done anything more I think it was like both of us navigating, like, what is this life, you know, where you become a parent and it's totally different. Um, Do you have any idea how he was able to do that? Because the reason I say that is it's, it's extremely difficult to come home after a stressful job. And I'm not saying his job was stressful, but I mean, there's, there's pressure with any job, any career, and it can be super, super difficult to come home after a day of work and to just say, I just would like 15 minutes, 30 minutes by myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember my dad came home every night. The vision in my head is he would sit on the couch, turn on the TV and my mom would give him a glass of scotch. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's what I grew up with. That's what I, that's what I grew up seeing as a husband and a parent myself. I don't know how that would work. Uh, That just, that just doesn't work would not work for us. Wouldn't work for me. And so any idea how he was able to switch, to be able to walk in the door, put the day behind him Mm -hmm. and say, I'm all in here. It's a, we're a team. Let's go. What can I do? Yeah. Um, this isn't a great answer because I don't know that it's app. Like, I don't know how people take this, but I think a lot of it is who he is as a person. Like, I think like who you are as a person, like, I think he loves us so much that he's willing to put it and he does it all the time. He's willing to put himself in an uncomfortable position if it means it's better for the family. And I love him so much that I make, I try 
to make sure he's not constantly doing that because I don't want him constantly getting the short end of the stick. And so back to the partnership of us trying to just be there for one another. Um, you know, I, I also think back to the very beginning of this conversation, it was all gradual. So it started with him coming home and me pregnant and me being like, Oh my God, I can't, will you, will you please go get my shoes in the other room? Cause I cannot go get my shoes in the other room. Like it was the beginning, like those little things were the beginning of preparing you for that next stage. And if you go from no kids to three kids, I always think about that. Cause I remember I'd go visit friends or even my nieces and nephews and I'd go no kids to then being with three kids. And I'd be like, Oh my God, yeah. everything is sticky. Everything <laughs> is loud. What, how do you do that? You know, like it felt like so much, but the reality of how it happens in life is it's all gradual. So it started with him caring for me as a pregnant person. He'd come home and I'd worked all day or I whatever. And then he was kind of had a little bit of that. So I think it came gradually. I think he also decided to make that decision every single time when he came home from the time I was pregnant to the time we had babies that he was going to do that, you know, that he, and it, but it was a practice. Um, so in a way, I think part of it's, you know, you're kind of just, you know, they say you, you make your money on your house when you buy it. (laughs) I kind of think you, you make your bed a lot when you decide who you're going to marry. I mean, and yeah, I, 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 I hesitate saying that because I know people can change and people can learn and people can grow. But I also knew that I was marrying somebody that asked me if I needed a drink before I went into the kitchen when we were 20 and he could have just worried about himself, but he never just worried about himself from the minute we were dating. He always considered me always. So I kind of, I, I got a great dad for my kids and a great spouse when I married him you know, and, and that was a, that, you know, that was worth the wait. That was worth finding him. That was worth the relationship and and figuring out kind of who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, but it's also gradual. So I think you kind of learn it as you go. And then hopefully there's that communication too. So when he does something that really helps me, I make sure I tell him, I'm like, thank you so much for that. That was so helpful you need to be validated when you do something that's helpful and, you know, like it needs to be appreciated, you know, and that's kind of back to the work we were talking about, Mike, with marriage in general, like, is it easier for me to just not say thank you or not acknowledge it when he does something great? Well, yeah. I mean, that's easier to not acknowledge it to just be like, Oh, whatever you, you owed me, or you should have done that, but it's better and it's better and it's healthier and it's smarter and it's more effective to be like, thanks for doing that. That made me feel so much better. I got the other day, he texted me. I was like, I'm going to come home early. I'm going to play with the kids. You can go do whatever you want to do. And I was like, oh, it, it was such, you know, and then it was like, thank you. I went and I got a pedicure and I came back and I'm like, that was awesome. Thank you. It was an hour of me getting to do that and, and not getting to do it. Like, he, you know, I mean, I, I can do whatever I want to, but he, it was that support, you know? And so, so then the, the following up with the communication of, of really calling out the great behavior you see in one another and that really helps you is important because then you'll get more of it. I mean, I agree. I want to take a second to highlight that because that is, I think that's huge. And I think we, as couples, I know from experience, it can be, you overlook it. You overlook the little thank yous. I used to say thank you to my wife for making dinner every single night. Thank you for making dinner. And over time you realize, wait a second, neither one of us has said thank you for making dinner. Mm -hmm. Did we just, do we just now take that for granted? 
-hmm. Is that not, you know, and then, and then your mind starts to play tricks. And again, I'm kind of speaking from experience here. Your mind starts to play tricks of, do I need to say thank you for that? You go through this ridiculous conversation. Do I need to say thank you for that? Is that a, is that a thank you worthy task or is that something that, you know, they should just be expected? Mm -hmm. Who cares? Right. They thank you. Say thank you. It go those little thank yous go a long way. Would you not say thank you to a stranger who made you dinner or who oh, did your true. laundry or who cleaned the house or who mowed the lawn or whatever? Why right. not your spouse? You would, you would fall all over somebody if they did yes. any of those things that your spouse would do for you. You would fall, yes. you would be like, "Are you kidding me? That is so generous, and you didn't have to do this." And all you you would fall all over somebody who did half the things that your spouse does for you. Yeah. Without a doubt, that's such a good way. That's such a good, that's a good hack for people, Mike, to like think like, what would you do if a stranger did that? Yeah. What would you, do? you know, I mean, even, and also I think it's not so much, I mean, you don't like you, you said, I've done that too, where I go in my head. And I'm like, do I need to thank you? Like we're in this together. Like why you, you, of course you should, you know, like you go into that and you're like, but again, it, I mean, it does deserve a thank you. And if, if you would 100%. thank a stranger for doing it, I think that's a great, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that one, Mike. That's, that's and really compliments. Great. I'll add compliments to that too. Yeah. When you see your spouse do something well, compliment, man, that was, that was incredible. And mm -hmm. I'm proud of you or anything like that. Little, little things like that. And I'll, I'll segue to something I was thinking about too. How important is it to be where your feet are St stealing the phrase yep. from Jesse Itzler. And I'm guessing both you and your husband for the most part, live where your feet are and how important is that? And, and can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I love this idea. I think the concept, and I'll tell you the truth is it's, it is harder to do than I thought, especially with kids and working from home. That has been a challenge for me. Um, but it is, it is so important because everybody feels it around you. And it's really your level of being able to be connected to the people in your life. And if you think what's more important than being connected to the people that you care about most, I mean, if there's nothing, there's nothing more important than Chris feeling like we are, we are talking when we're actually talking or we're not just right. scrolling on our phones. And, you know, it's interesting because it probably used to be like looking through the newspaper, like put the newspaper down, you know, and talk to me. Or now it's like, put your phone down or whatever. Um, and I think there's those practices like that, that we can all get so distracted by. But, um, but again, I mean, it's so interesting, Mike, having this conversation, because it's like back to the intention, what is your intention? And I actually heard this from, I don't know. I heard this somewhere. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it was like when something occurs or somebody, if somebody comes at you or there's a negative comment or something to to ask the person, like, what's your intention with that comment? Well, you think about that in terms of your actions. What is your intention with your action right now? Like when you think about how it impacts the people around you. So if Chris and I are here or Chris and I are, you know, doing something and I'm distracted, what's my intention is my intention to make him feel bad. Cause that's probably what's happening is my intention. Is this thing that's happening on my phone more important than what's going on around me? Um, so I would say I value it. I love it. I struggle with it probably, especially probably with my kids at times when, you know, um, it's just so easy to do multiple things at once and I'm good at it. Like I could very easily, you know, reply to an email as I'm having a conversation with my kid. That's not good. I wish I couldn't right. do it. I wish I didn't have that ability. 
I wish I couldn't have my brain have to be, cause I'm not doing, having a good conversation and my email probably sucks too, but I'm able to do it, you know? Um, so it's, it's a great question because I think it's highly important because I think everybody knows about, everybody can feel it and sense it, and they might not even be able to name it, but they know how you make them feel. And I think when you are where your feet are, you make the people around you feel amazing and they feel seen and they feel cared for and they feel, um, validated. And I think when you're not where your feet are, you're really discounting the people around you. And I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than make my husband or my kids feel like I don't care about their time or their space or who they are. But if I'm not where my feet are, there's a good chance that I'm making them feel less than. And again, it's my choice and my intent. And I have to think about my intentions and what am I doing? It's my decision of how I'm going to spend my time. Um, and so, now, yeah, I want everybody to hear what you just said too, that you, how you make people feel when you're around them and your, your intention in where your feet are and how that relates to your family. And think about it. it do you think that the, that quality time being where your feet are when you're with your family is more important than the amount of time. So, and I say that as your husband's off at work, your kids are at school, you've got a business, you've got a podcast, you're speaking, you're doing, you're doing this, you're talking to me. Uh, and oh, by the way, you have, I mean, you have all of the other responsibilities that everybody else has. You have grocery shopping, you have a house to, to take take care of. You have other family, parents and other family members and friends and school activities and all this other kind of stuff. How important is it? Well, I'll go back to my question. Is it more important to be intentionally where your feet are when you're with your family versus just spending more time with them? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say definitely, you know, I mean, the, the, the quality of your time is important you know and i think i also think in a way though it's interesting because i probably get more time with my kids than most people but sometimes i take them to a park where it's fenced in so i can work but i'm at the park with them and then you know like so sometimes i i probably don't do that but i also am trying to make them most of where i am um but if i could choose which one i had to do it would absolutely be that quality time and they feel it. I tell you what they feel it. One of the people I spoke to on my podcast talked about, you know, 30 minutes of, of undivided time with your child in a week where they get to pick what you're doing 30 minutes. Cause I remember I was talking about like needing to do a date and really give them that time and have a, you know, do that. And she was like, you're never going to keep that up. But if you could do 30 minutes in a week, you can find 30 minutes after school. You can find 30 minutes before bedtime. You can find 30 minutes in the morning. You can find 30 minutes on the weekend for sure at some point with, for each child. And, um, and that her point, and she's, you know, a family therapist is that quality. It wasn't about how much of it you were doing. It was the quality. And so that really opened my eyes to the importance of, of focusing on the quality and, um, you know, and, and, I mean, honestly, the pandemic was weird too, because my kids were home like the whole time they were home for a year and a half and I was working and they were at school at home. And Holy sweet. you started the podcast then too. So listen to this, Mike. So, oh my gosh, I just, I, actually, I didn't think about that. I actually started the podcast because my youngest was going to be in preschool. So I was all of a sudden going to have five hours a day 
where nobody was home. So I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all that time? And so I decided to start the podcast and that was in September of 2019. And then March, you know, obviously everything changed and then everybody was home forever after that point. So, yeah. So, you know, but luckily I have an amazing husband and a strong marriage and a supportive household that, that, you know, was excited about all of that. So, um, anyways, but back to your question, quality over quantity, without a doubt. Um, I also get more time because of what I've chosen to do in my life and to not have people, you know, to, to be all in with my kids. So not all of my time is quality time with them, but I am always with them. So like, I kind of, I kind of try to do both because I do have more time with them. Um, you know, and I'll do things and take them places and stuff. And sometimes I'm on my phone, but it's actually still, even then it's like my, I'm doing it knowing what my plan is. Like I'm coming here, I'm with you at the park, but I am going to be working, but you're happy. And then afterwards we're going to go, you know, get a slushy and whatever we're going to do, you know, and we'll have that, that comes too. So I get a little bit of both, but if I had to pick, I would absolutely pick quality over quantity. Yeah. I think that for me, that works with, in with my marriage as well is where if my wife and I are both going 90 to nothing Monday through Friday, but I know that we have a date on the calendar. We're going out to dinner, no kids Friday evening, and we are going to talk with each other, listen to each other. And we're going to talk about anything and everything and be there with each other. I can get through anything throughout the week. And our relationship can survive a week of chaos, knowing that come Friday evening, we know what to expect. We know it's going to be us and bombs could be going off around, around us. It doesn't matter. We're going to be all in together. And that's where I come back to the quality time too. It's, we know my wife and I know we can feel it when we haven't had that date night. It could only be like in two, three weeks they've gone by. But we'll kind of, and I'll feel it and we'll look at each other and be like, something's off. When was the last time we went on a date? Mm-hmm. We've just been going through the grind without having that quality time together and having that time. And it's, it builds too. It's like, if you do, if you do that, you have that time and you say, okay, we're going to do that again next week or the week after you have that experience. It's like your kids, your kids know if they have 30 minutes of your attention versus you're with them for 30 minutes but you were on your phone half the time. Mm -hmm. If they know that, if they have the experience that, yeah, I know when I've got 30 minutes with mom, that it's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Then the time in between becomes the relationship maintains its strength. It maintains its closeness. And same thing in, in our marriage. I know I feel that where, like I said, it's our relationship goes much smoother and we stay much closer when we know what we're looking forward to, when we know that we will give each other that time, that yeah. quality time. Yep. And yeah. And you don't feel like you have to fight for it leading up to it. Yes. And then I also think with marriage, if the minute you add kids into it, I think everything, every single thing I do, I'm thinking, what are they absorbing? What are they seeing? What are they recognizing in us? And, you know, which means I'm going to have very sarcastic kids and I'm going to have smart Alex. And I'm going to have, you know, I mean, there's, but I'm also, I want to know are you know, what are they going to expect in his partner in their life? Are they going to take care of that relationship or are they going to, you know, have a, I mean, and so that, that also directs me, honestly, I mean, my kids push me to be a better everything because I know I have six little eyes looking at me and I'm thinking, Hmm, 
You know, I mean, even little things like, am I going to pick up that piece of trash as I walk by it? Well, yeah. Like I, you know, so, and in my marriage, um, am I taking care of it? Are we supportive? Do they see us hug? Do they see us kiss? Do they see us, you know, be tender with each other? Do they see us laugh with each other? Do they see us play sports together? Like, I want them to see all of that. Um, and because that's, but the truth is, is I really love all of that. But if I didn't have my kids there, I think sometimes I would probably like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think about it, but when you feel like you're kind of an example for, you know, when you know, you're an example for your kids, it, it steps my game up. And so things like date night, I'll be honest, it's it, that's tricky for my husband and I, um, is, is the date night. And so, and, you know, as we've tried to be creative with how we do it, but, um, it's, it's a trickier thing. And part of it's like his schedule, my schedule travel. And, you know, I mean, it's all the things, all the things that anybody could say. Um, so, you know, but then sometimes our quality time is we both work from home. And so we'll have lunch together at home during the day. So it it just doesn't look like a typical. And I think that's back to like needing it to be what's right for your marriage or thumbprint marriage, Mm -hmm. like a, like a Saturday night, in, is never going to work for us. I'm married to a baseball scout. He's going to be at a game every time in the spring. You know, that's never going to, we're not going to do a Saturday night date, but we'll do a Tuesday lunch at home. And it's awesome. And it's totally connected. And we're talking about life. We're talking about what we're going to do or what's coming up next. And, um, you know, so it, I, I think it's just finding, finding that rhythm for yourself, um, you know, is, is important, but then my kids just push me to be better in all ways. And especially as a, a better spouse, a better partner in life. And I know they do that for my husband as well. Yep. I agree. And I want, and I'm, I'm watching the time. I'll be respectful of, of time. We'll uh, wrap up here in a minute. Cause I know you've got uh, something else to get to, but I want everybody to hear what you just said to in the perspective that your kids can make you better. And that was something that I realized as well as a parent that it's, it was sort of in my mind, it was sort of an unintended blessing that I didn't realize that my kids make me a better person in a, in a few different ways, uh, in a couple different ways. One is they're the ultimate accountability tool. If you want them to be, it goes back to the word intention. Like you said, you have to want it. You have to want to be a better person. You have to want them. My, my perspective, you have to want them to be better than you were at that age why would we not want that? Why would we not want our kids to be better than we were? Is that not the ultimate goal of life and progression of life? Right. And if we want that, then we need to model that for them because actions speak louder than words. It's not a cliche for, for Mm -hmm. the wrong reason. I mean, it's, it's so true. And if we take that to marriage, I felt the same thing is I want to model everything in my marriage in front of my kids. And you mentioned a lot of the good stuff, the, you know, are you guys, are you guys hugging and kissing? Are you having fun together? Are you going on dates? You also mentioned earlier in the conversation, how you disagree in front of your kids Mm -hmm. and having that in the back of your mind of how do I want them to disagree with their spouse? How do I want them to disagree with other people in Mm -hmm. general, in their other relationships and having that filter puts in your mind, it, it, it helps you to realize how you're acting, what the words you're saying and how they're having an impact. And if, again, you have to be intentional though, you have mm-hmm. to want to pay attention to that stuff and to model it for your kids and then to show them resolution, 
to show that one of the hardest things is apologizing. And I, you know, my wife and I both have done this in front of our kids have gone to each other and said, I'm sorry for doing that. Primary reason, unfortunately, is because I wanted my kids to see that. I wanted my kids to see me apologizing. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. I know it's the right thing to do. If they weren't there, it would be harder for me to make that decision to do it, unfortunately. But because they are there and I want to model that for them, they make me a better person. Like you said, they, 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 your kids will make you a better spouse Mm -hmm. if you want them to do that for you. I'm about to break my neck, nodding along so much, (laughs) but yes, to everything you said, to everything you said. And, and, And you asked me early on about mindset. This is one of those times to me that mindset, like you could look at like, oh, I'm having a fight with my spouse is terrible. Honestly, a lot of times I'm like, okay, like this is an opportunity. My kids are going to get to see how this goes. My kids are going to see me stand up for my opinion, or they're going to see me listen to somebody's opinion, consider it and still stand up for, or still say no, or be like, oh, I never thought about that. You know what? I think you're right. Like all of those, do I, when, are, when else are they going to see it? Are they going to see it? Am I, do I hope they're going to see it at school? Is it, I'm not in charge of how, the, I mean, it's a gift to have the opportunity to show your kids healthy interaction. That's yes. such a gift. And when your spouse and you really see it that way, you know, we probably fight better when our kids are around. I mean, we definitely do. We definitely fight better when their kids are around because you're not being petty. Cause you're like, I don't want you to be petty. You know, I want you to be better. And I want you to come to a disagreement, not being like, we're, this is awful. We're never, you know, we're, you know, it's not the end of the world to disagree, but where, who else are they going to, who else should they learn that from? Honestly, like, do you want them to learn it from the real housewives when they're later on and they watch TV? Do you want them to learn it from, you know, watching wrestling? Like where, where do you want them to learn it? It is such an opportunity to have them learn it from people that they love, that they respect, even if they don't know, they respect you. Um, and from people that have their best interest at heart, it is the best playground for learning there is. And so honestly, sometimes a disagreement, I'm like, let's take this in the other room so the kids can see it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a perspective change from, oh man, I wish the kids weren't here. So we didn't, I didn't have to deal with this in front of them to how can I use this as an opportunity to do this in front of them? You know, if you think about it, if you're, if it's, if you are going to handle something in a way that you don't want your kids to see it, maybe you're not handling it the right way. Oh, that's so good. hundred you know, percent. Like yeah. if you're like, no, I don't want them to see it. It's like, what, what, why? Because you're not going to do it right. Cause you're going to be, you know, you're going to, because you're going to approach it in an immature way or not pop up, whatever. I mean, and that could be in terms of anything. Um, but you know, I think, I think if you feel like you can show it in front of your kids, then you're modeling healthy behavior. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I don't know. We covered a whole lot. This has been so good. <laughs> I love this topic. I love that you're doing this because I think it's, I, I just think it's really important to have yeah. the conversations and to hear other people's thoughts about it. And I, I am excited to, to listen to, to the other episodes because I, I think it's, I, you know, I talked about this. It's similar to my podcast in that there's a million ways to get it right. And that's an important thing to realize when you get into a marriage, there's a million ways to do it right. My way isn't going to work for everybody. Your way is not going to work for everybody. But if you start to see, and and just, I have a lot of different mentors in business. Well, because I'm not going to just carbon copy some, I, I need to do me 
And I want to learn from some people that do that. You know, I want to learn from a Jesse Itzler when it talks about like squeezing everything out of life. I want to learn from a Claude Silver and like how to take care of people. I want to learn in from a Gary V about how to be open and like try new stuff. You know, like I want to be this collection of ideas and then filtered through me. And in marriage, I feel like you're giving people this opportunity to hear people's different, you hear different experiences about marriage. And it's so important because then you'll start to recognize, oh, these are all totally different. There's some foundational things that are probably similar across the board, but every marriage should and will be different. And that's all right. As long as you find your rhythm with your partner. Yeah. You said something fantastic that there, there are a million ways to get it right. And I wonder there's really, there are a handful of ways to get it wrong. There aren't a million ways to, to fail at marriage. Uh, that's so true. There are, pri- there are a primary few things that are the, the, the general uh, what generally break down marriages. There are a million ways to get it right and to, and to, and to do it well, open your eyes, find ways to get it right. It's like being in, being in a race. And I know I, I got into endurance racing a couple of years ago by, by happenstance. And when you're in a race and you're trying to go 50 miles or hundred miles or whatever it is, you're just trying to find a way to get going. What are the reasons to quit? You hurt, you're tired, you're undernourished. I can count those on one hand, the reasons to quit. What are the reasons to keep going? I can think of a hundred, I can yeah. give a thousand reasons to keep going. And that's, yeah, that's the key. Such, it's such a hopeful way to, to look at marriage. And I think sometimes marriage can be, like you said earlier, like sometimes it feels like it's work or whatever, like it feels negative. And it's like, no, but when you say it that way, that it is so true. I totally agree with that. There is not there's a handful of ways to fail at marriage and there's a million ways to make it awesome. And I think that's a really hopeful message. And I, I think that's what your podcast is at. That's, that's what you're doing. It's, it's brilliant. And I love it. Well, great. Well, speaking of hope, uh, you are one of those people that, that brings hope to others. Um, your, your, your action, your, your perspective on life, your, um, the way you bright, brighten a, a room and everything that you do. I thank you for that. And I thank you for your, for how you're raising your, your girls and and for being an amazing role model to a lot of people. And I thank you immensely for being on here for this conversation. 